following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. On today's episode, Andrew and I take a look at what if Bill Walsh was named the Cincinnati Bengals head coach in 1976. How does it affect the Bengals, the 49ers, Joe Montana, and many, many more? Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Matt Johnson, and this is the Two Point Conversation. Happy Memorial Day, I think. Is that a way to do it? Happy Memorial Day? I believe so. It sounds uh, good to me. It's kind of a morbid holiday in, it, a, in a sense, but yeah, <laughs> just a bit. Um, I, I hate when people come up to me and say happy. Well, say like, thank you for your service on Memorial Day, because I'm like, uh, this is not my deal. That's not my day. Not, <laughs> not my, my day. Not my day. It's kind of <laughs> like somebody coming up to you and saying happy birthday when it's like your brother's birthday or something or when people <laughs> tell single moms that happy father's day <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah. yeah. that's, uh, that's my that's favorite. how that's how i feel on memorial day like, yeah i'm like no nah, this but no i'm i'm veterans day <laughs> yep exactly exactly I, I get my free oil change and my pancakes and call it a day <laughs> well good to see you my man andrew um it is monday the 30th of may almost the end of the month of may and uh it is time for a, another what if monday as we said at the top of the show uh bill walsh is the, our subject matter today andrew selected this one it was his week his choice and uh yeah we're looking at a pivotal moment in bengals and 49ers history where essentially where Bill Walsh had an opportunity to be named the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And it just did not happen. Um, and to my knowledge, to my remembrance, this was a Paul Brown thing, correct? Yes. Paul Brown did not believe that he could handle the highs and lows of coaching. So he, he overlooked them, even though uh, Bill Walsh crafted the offense that they were running and pretty much home that whole West Coast offense right there. A quarterback, Virgil Carter and Ken Anderson. So everything was pretty much going through Walsh offensively. And then he said, nope, I'm going to go with the offensive line coach. He's got a cool nickname, Bill Tiger Johnson. So <laughs> yeah. looking at his records, he was not. He was he wasn't a tiger at head coaching. <laughs> no, what are we looking at here? What kind of what kind of win loss record are we looking at here? Well, his first year they did wonderful. He was ten and four, and then he, they were eight and six in seventy seven, seventy eight. They were four and twelve. Oh, I'm sorry, 
They were four and twelve, but he started off zero and five and then uh, resigned. Oh, okay. so he did not last. No, no, this is not good. This is not yeah. a good run for uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Essentially, pissing away Ken Anderson's career. I think to put it nicely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Until that one Super Bowl when Forrest Craig came. Yeah. Yeah, that's about it, though. But um, yeah. What I mean, what a culture change. I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna say obviously. I'm gonna say perhaps it's a wrong decision because Paul Brown was still in an ownership role until what the early '90s, late '80s. Yeah, that, was it ownership or was or it GM? GM. Okay. Yeah, he had to be still in some type of control up until. So I feel like I remember seeing him on the sidelines in like the late '80s. Yeah, he was still there because that was always the big thing was Walsh going up against them in the Super Bowl. Yeah. He got, let's see, what else was there? Yeah, they they, they basically hired Walsh's, one of Walsh's guys and Sam Weish after, after Greg left and everything else and just really... I think it was an ultimate regret that he didn't in some way. Right. Oh, I'm sure it was. I mean, it probably hearing, I mean, that, that knowledge becoming public because Walsh was a, uh, I mean, obviously a Paul Brown disciple. He was a big, important part of, of those Bengals teams, right. Offensive coordinator, I presume. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hear that publicly, that's not great when the ultimate assertion, not, I feel like if you're getting into coaching and your aspiration is to not become a head coach, you're doing something wrong. And when the guy who you've put all your faith and trust into and a guy who's put all his faith and trust into you as well, doesn't believe in you to be head coach worthiness. Oh, that's an insult, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's like uh, people get mad about assumptions all the time. Assuming things about people is one of the worst things you could do. Um, you know, uh, assuming something and, you know, how, how does Paul Brown, I, I see maybe Paul Brown, you know, this is an issue Paul Brown experienced a lot, but how does he know really whether Bill Walsh did has Bill Walsh had an opportunity to become head coach this and that. So um, I'm sure there might've been some strain on the relationship at that point, you know, because that was a brand new franchise. It was a solid team that Paul Brown was leaving behind. And uh, you know, who knows what, 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 I mean, we're about to dive into it today as best as we can, but who knows what, what might have come from that, uh, you know, from that connection with Walsh getting named head coach and Paul Brown being in the leadership role. Well, I just find it funny because looking at it, he's only probably in his early forties at this point. Right. Early. Well, probably mid to late forties. And isn't that what everybody wants today? The hot, innovative coaching offensive genius. <laughs> yeah. And now it's back then it's like, nah, we're going to go for the old guy with the cool nickname. Yeah. The because experienced he, guy. Yeah. Cause he's older, even though he's never done anything other than a position coach, we're going to go with the, we're going to go with the old guy. So yeah. That's what I found. That's what I found pretty entertaining. And Paul Brown blocked a lot of Bill Walsh's jobs. I was looking at some things. He was supposed to coach the jets, the Rams, he was up to be the first head coach of the Seahawks. 
Oh, really? Yeah. That was around that time too, 76, right? Mm-hmm. Because he, he just left. Once they said there was three, well, three announcements. Bill Walsh retired. Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson is the new head coach. And Bill Walsh is leaving the Bengals. Right. And I guess he did a lot of the blocking because Walsh was still under contract and he didn't want Walsh to leave. And a lot of the offensive players did kind of like a, a buddy Ryan thing, but more so to Bill Walsh to tell him to stay. You, right. you know what I'm talking about where the bears wrote the letter to George Hallis. Yes. Yes. Buddy yes. Ryan. Yeah. One of those decisions, obviously they made the wrong one. Um, <laughs> probably, probably uh, very yeah. Bengalish in, in history. I'm sure. I think that's the first bad Bengal move. Probably. Probably. I mean, it's still early on in their tenure, right? They've only been a team for 10 years at this point, maybe. 68, they came about. Yeah. 68, 69. So, yeah, it's one of those bad ones. But, um, but yeah, so let's, I mean, what, what, let's okay. take a gander. Do we think that Bill Walsh uh, can find the same success that he did in San Francisco, in Cincinnati? Um, or is it an overstepping of GM, mm. you know, is it, is it become a overstepping of a, uh, of Paul Brown? Does he start to overstep? And, and obviously this, it, even if he says, Oh yeah, Paul or Bill Walsh, you can be head coach. Those doubts are still kind of lingering internally, maybe not externally. And it affects a lot of decision-making. Yeah. That was one of my biggest conflicting things when I was thinking about this over the week and, you know, listening to certain things, there's not too many people that get on this. What if like other, what ifs I could kind of get other people's opinion to help me kind of formulate an opinion. Yeah. But with this one, it was just getting a feel for Bill Walsh and understanding Paul Brown, the way that he is. And at this point, I think if he's going to hire Bill Walsh, he's already running his offensive through him. I know we, I was, we talked about, you know, off air about this too as well. Oh man. I think if he's going to give him all of that, the head coaching, Paul Brown says, I'm the GM. I think maybe they work a little bit together. Paul Brown still doesn't put his ego to the side but he's seen the product work now as I'm making up my mind here, he's seen this product work. He's seen this offense work and pretty much go pretty, go pretty far with it as well. Right. You know, making 1973 first in the AFC central, that's that's pretty good back in the 70s considering you're very, still a very young team so he's really seeing this team grow offensively so i think he just kind of lets bill walsh do a little bit more of his offensive thing and maybe oversees a little bit of the development of what we know today as the west coast offense right yeah it it's I think there could be a little bit of friction. Possibly. I, I feel like Paul Brown, I know he's not, oh, not owner, but sorry, GM, um, in a sense, team president, possibly. But I feel like even he's like a Jerry Jones type guy 
or he's, he's going to try and overrule a lot of things that people he hired to do. And that's what concerns me. I mean, this roster is pretty solid. I do think that Bill Walsh could do a lot with this team and maybe where there's not so many down years um, like they experienced in, you know, shortly after that tenure and that wrong head coaching hire. Um, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun that could be had with this team do some damage, continue on. I mean, that's an extension, right? Because who is this Johnson guy? Where did he come from? Bill Johnson? Yeah. Uh, Bill Tiger Johnson was just like an offensive line coach. Was That's he with the he, Bengals, though? Was he with the Bengals? Yeah. Please? Oh, he was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But even like offensive line versus a guy who runs your entire offense and does it pretty damn well, has it pretty effective. I feel like that's just a continuation, an extension of what Paul Brown was establishing and could be, it, it could be one of those, it could be one of those things that just, it, it's, it's a better, more refined product of what Paul Brown had established for the Bengals, mm-hmm. which, you know, all things considered, just, I mean, yeah, the, the, the year prior, 75, they did really, really good. Yeah. But other than that, there's not too many good years to kick this thing off. 73, they did well. But other than that, a lot of seven and seven, eight and six, four and tens, not great seasons. All right. And that's, that's the kicker is like you're going into, you're in the AFC Central. This is not. You're playing the Steelers twice, I think, at this point. Yeah, it's still probably twice a year at this point. Yeah. And you still, the AFC is very well stacked with powerhouse teams of the Steelers, Raiders, and Dolphins. And then a few years down the line, your Colts come charging through. The Oilers are getting better. So for them to kind of do this stuff is, is rather pretty impressive considering that they're not too far along in the in you know building of a team for the expansion yeah that's true yeah this is the height of a lot of i mean afc a yeah afc was super powerful at that point there are a lot of good teams a lot of good teams and that well dolphins were starting to slow down a little bit yeah but the oilers were on the uptick as i say oil yeah oilers on the uptick this is prime 70s burt jones uh, Raiders are just like right there. Steelers are right there. Um, the Broncos weren't that bad. No, Broncos were frequently up towards the top of the AFC rankings mm-hmm. at that time. Um, I think they went to a Super Bowl in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 70. So for them to fit in where they did, not too shabby. And uh, they made a terrible move. And oh, I mean, it just the progression just doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense. An offensive line coach, you want him to be the head coach of your entire football team. I feel like there's gradual steps. I think it's coordinator. You know what I mean? I think it's position coach, coordinator, head coach. That's that's how the progression should be. Uh, not too often you get you get that you know you get a, a, a drastic move from uh, third down defensive back coach to to head coach. You know what I mean? just. The way that some of the positional coaches are nowadays are ridiculous, but um, passing coordinator specialists. Yeah, <laughs> you know th- those things don't really you don't they don't scream head coaching material right out of the top. So, um, yeah, left bench water boy. Oh, yeah. geez, he's been with the team for a couple of years. You gotta put him in a head coach. Uh, it, it that was a I think it was an errant move, a, a very uh, a very poor move by. Um, Paul Brown that set the 
Bengals, or as a lot of Bengals like fans like to call their team the Bungles, uh, back considerably for uh, for some time. Yeah, because was he? Just uh, yeah, they are looking at Pro Football Reference. They have him as the quarterback coach, but pretty much he was the play caller. Is the way that they described it. Bill Walsh called the play to Paul Brown. Paul Brown relayed the play to Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson relayed the play to the messenger guard. Right. But pretty much he's the off, pseudo offensive coordinator. If you're pretty much you, you're the play caller. So you got a lot of responsibility. I'm also looking at some things too here about the. Uh, um, the points for. Which is interesting. Look at the drastic drop post uh, post Paul Brown retirement and obviously Bill Walsh leaving Um, 75. They are ninth out of 26 teams. All right. Ninth of 26, 340. That's not bad. 76. They improve a little bit. Six of uh, 26 of 28. All right. But after that, it drops terribly. 14th of 28 and 77. uh, 21st of 28 and 78. And then they get they get back on track a little bit, but it's Johnson's, I think last year, 79. No, it's not. Um, it it's is. Homer Rice. Homer Rice uh, is the head coach. They improve a little bit, but you know what I mean? Just you see that, that drastic drop. And then the 1980, they're 27th of 28. You know, with Walsh, it was trending upwards. You can definitely see some residual effects going into it that year. And that's usually how it happens. There's not a huge, like year so you know when a when a coordinator leaves, there's not a huge drop off. Always, you could tell something's different, and something worked a little bit, but obviously it wasn't sustainable. And then to move back as far as they did, uh, especially with a guy like Ken Anderson. Look at his look at Ken Anderson's numbers. Look at his numbers seventy five to 76. 70, 75, He's throwing for. Uh, over 3,100 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 INTs, but this is pre-Mel Blunt rule. So that's really good to have 10 more touchdowns than INTs. Yeah, he didn't come close to that. And, then you, again. and then you look at some. Oh, no, 81 he did. I'm sorry. 81 he did. But but that they, was under Weiss and, and a new regime. They completely took the ball out of his hands. Yeah. And Isaac Curtis was a good wide receiver. Even his numbers went to crap. After Walsh left, I think he could have done a lot. Like you said, this was a new, we said in the beginning, this was a good team. This was a making of uh, maybe not. Well, we could never know, but maybe not as great as pieces as what he had in, in San Francisco with, well, Dwight Clark wasn't overly talented as a wide receiver, but he got the job done. Ken Anderson, you know, Joe Montana, all those, these, these pieces are almost, I wouldn't say completely interchangeable, but comparison why of what, of what he needs to run to it, run his offense. Right. Equals out pretty well. And I think if you would have stayed with Ken Anderson, we might be looking at Hall of Fame, Ken Anderson. I think that's a no brainer. Those down years definitely hurt him because when did Anderson retire? Late eighties, mid to late eighties, like right before Boomer yeah, came along. No, he was still there with Boomer. 
It was still there. That's right. Boomer yeah, came right. in in 84. Okay. Yeah, there was, that's right. There was still, it was a transition at that point. It was just a matter of time before Boomer took over, but, um, but yeah, you wasted a lot of prime years in the late, those late seventies where the team could have been something. And, you know, I just, I, I don't understand that hiring at all. I still don't. I would, I wish I could, I, there's really nothing out there about Paul Brown stating why is it just the fact that he didn't trust, he didn't think Bill Walsh could handle it. So it's a little depressing. Like it's, I mean, if you're a Bengals fan, it's like, Oh God, what the heck, you know? And, and it did, it affected, it affected Ken Anderson's, you know, that's why when these guys, when these like fold themselves, egomaniacs, like fail, like the Jerry Joneses of the world and some of that, when they fail, it's wonderful. They think they make these smart, these big tight, these like smart decisions, um, you know, they think they, 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 they put all their stock and energy into it, they, the decisions that they made. Like he probably thought Paul Brown probably thought he just made the, the move of the century by, by avoiding Bill Walsh, not mm-hmm. putting Bill Walsh's guy in her in a, a, an offensive line co- coach, uh, you know, to be your head coach. I, I, I don't get it. I just, I don't get it. Bill Walsh is literally an extension of himself. And that team would have been set for at least the next for a considerable amount of time. And who knows, maybe, you know, Bill Walsh might've still retired early, but at least you probably would have got one or two super bowls out of it, out of the run. I think you're looking at, so I think you definitely get 81. You, you, you get 80. Oh no, 81. Well, yeah, probably. Cause the, it goes to our next point, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, but I think you're going 80, 81. I think you, it's just one of those things like what we talked about when we did the Marino Steelers type thing. Yeah. You got to get through uh you got to get through the 70s with the Steelers, the, uh the Raiders and all those guys. You got to get through those. But could you imagine that division? You got three top teams if he would have stayed. Because like we like we said, the Oilers are on the uptick in the late seventies. The Steelers a central team too, right? There's their Oilers were central. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got them on the uptick. You have the Steelers that are still there, and then think about the Bengals. You're looking at who who's getting a wild card. Essentially, I know there was more wild cards, but could that whole division make wild card? Right. Or, or anything of that nature. That's a, that's a really good division. Yeah. And it, all you need is a chance. All you need is a chance. And then even in the eighties, you get, you get in with the Browns and the Oilers are still good. The Steelers kind of start to regress, but you're still in that mix. And I think you're going probably 80, 80, 80 or 81 or both. And then, Maybe he retires around 84, but even if they're in that, they drafted Boomer in the second round. So even if they're in that spot to say, you know, say the same progressions to get Boomer Esiason, he's got his essentially, I'm not saying the skill set is the same, but like a Steve Young, he has his successor already for him. And we saw Boomer in that West Coast offensive system, coached by Sam Weish. Ooh. The guy won an MVP in '88. So, so wait, do wait, hold on. 
What? Hold on. So do we think that Boomer is a thing at all? Does he just, or is it, you know, does he find that, that he, does, he gets Steve Young? That is such a weird thing with the Steve Young thing because of the USFL. Right. Because what? So he was drafted in 84, technically, right? Who's that? Young. Yeah, he, he could technically have speaking in 84. He was NFL drafted, but he was also US USFL signed in 84. That was his year, right? Yeah. Okay. That's tough. But he still had his rights, right? They still had his player rights, even when he came back. Or do they, they right? Did no, they no, because that was he. He never was drafted. He never. Always. Oh, he was drafted. drafted in the USFL CFL supplemental draft. Okay. Which Tampa had number one overall. So that so that meant Tampa got him. What was his connection to Cincinnati? Who? Didn't Young have a connection to Cincinnati somehow? He was going to go there. He was going to go there. He was going to go there, and then at the last minute, he got off the plane. Like, they had a contract worked out, and last minute, he was like, I'm going to go to USFL because I just got off to what looked like on paper, what, $10 million a year or something? Yeah, it was a disgusting amount. Um, Yeah. So that's... So really, Tampa Bay still owned his rights because they had the actual first overall pick that year. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Because um, that would have been wild, too. That could have been something if, if they inherited Steve Young and there's no need for Boomer. Well, you never. Maybe Walsh could have talked him into it. Possibly. Maybe awesome. if this off, but also Paul Brown's probably controlling book the books and stuff. Oh, and, yeah, I so that's about probably that. yeah, that's probably yeah. another. So we could probably just crumble that one up and throw it in the wastebasket. Yeah, Paul Brown hated agents and everything else, and he hated paying players. What, yeah. what a crazy, what a crazy oh, cool. concept! Holy cow, I'm, I'm just looking, he stayed on. He stayed on as owner and general manager, looks like until night till nineteen eighty-nine. Oh no, no, he's still there. Yeah, I think until the day he died. Yep. After the ninety season. Hmm. Interesting. So Some guys need it. Yeah. Yeah, he died in ninety one. So August 5th, 1991. So he just stayed on. Interesting. So, yeah. So, okay. So we could, we could pretty much squash the Steve Young possibility, but yeah. Boomer. Yeah. I, Maybe they get Jerry Rice. Possibly. Possibly. Right. Rice was in the first round. He was a late round one, right? No, he was the first round, but he they had to trade up to get him. Huh? He wasn't the first wide receiver off the board. Essentially, Jerry Rice. The Patriots traded that pick to the 49ers essentially for a second round pick. So Jerry Rice was, there was other picks involved, but it was like a swapping of a three and swapping of a one. Right. Then the 49ers had thrown a second round pick. 
and that's pretty much what Jerry Rice was pretty much essentially trade for. I is, see. Is a second round pick. Again, I, I, this is all stuff that I don't think that Paul Brown would have gone for. I think the biggest factor in all this is Paul Brown. I, I don't, I, I really do. I think he's a hindrance at this point. He's so archaic. He was very progressive in his, in his ways of thinking, right? The, 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 mm-hmm. the, the radio systems, I think he, he essentially invented or right. The, the, to communicate, right. That was what yeah. Paul Brown uh, thing. Using a tank world war two tank radio and the helmet <laughs> face mask uh, playbooks you know, all that stuff. It, it, he was very progressive in that line of thinking, but when it came to front office stuff and, and managing his team, I don't know. I mean, Sam Weish was a, was a, was a great, great pickup that obviously worked, but there's a lot of other decisions where he's, he's the game has surpassed him. And I don't think he's making, right? he said he doesn't like agents. Um, guys want to get paid. They want to get paid to play football. They put their bodies on the line. They deserve to, and this is an NFL-wide thing, but Paul Brown was definitely uh, way out of his element in in the when it comes to these the, the 80s and maybe even the 70s. Just the way that the league was, the, the direction that the league was going. I think ultimately, whether Wall, I mean, Walsh, like I said, he probably gets one or two out of it, out of that initial roster. But continuity-wise, I don't know where this this Bengals team goes long term. I think that's one of those things. Does winning really cure all? Right. Or if you want to get real crazy, if they're not winning or going to a Super Bowl, does he even can them before 1980? Right. Yeah, because, again, the doubt is already in his mind. Let's pull the trigger and adios, you know? So that's, I mean, that's pretty much the huge thing there also. I like to feel that they get they get at least one or two Super Bowls. Yeah. And we we see this flourish. And maybe Paul Brown comes around to things and say, oh, my goodness, this this guy could is something really special. Like what I thought in a genius mind. And let's just keep on rolling with this and see how far it goes. Maybe down the line, maybe 84, 85 after the Super Bowls, and maybe that's not really winning. Guys are getting older. Walsh wants to say move off of players because he was big on moving off of players two years before. Yeah. Then a year too late. And I think that's maybe where the heads butt right there. That's probably it. So it wouldn't have gone well into the 80s. Maybe they would have found a Weish type. You know, that definitely affects Sam Weish and mm-hmm. and where he ends up going if if this is to be. Uh, maybe yeah, we just don't know what Paul Brown's, uh, you know, what his patience level was at, but maybe again, Weish is the guy still gets there. Cause he was on bill. He was on bill Walsh's coaching staff from the beginning in San Francisco. Right. Yeah. That's certainly possible. It's a little upgrade. Would it be? That's not too hard to believe. I Dad, don't I think. Want bill Walsh, but don't worry. We got bill Walsh at home. And Sam <laughs> right. So. <laughs> Let's sum up the Bengals aspect of this. Okay. I think that's, I think that's, I think we've hit every bit that we can Yeah. Um, with the Bengals. I think so. At least one Super Bowl. I'm saying at least one, Probably at least eight. one, possibly two at the most mm-hmm. uh, competitive. The team is competitive. I think they make 
a good push for one of those kind of like what the Love You Blue Oilers did in the late seventies. You know, one of those prominent, but just not quite there. Yep. Uh, Paul Brown still overbearing. Yes. Probably a little, maybe even a little bit more overbearing. Yeah. Until I feel until the winning starts and then the winning stops. Right. Once the winning starts, he's fine. You're good. Once that winning ends and Walsh wants to implement more, then he's going to be like, you know what? Just kick rocks, find somewhere else. (laughs) Uh, Any other aspect? from this that you can think at least that just the Bengals parks. We haven't touched the 49ers yet. Ken Anderson is a Hall of Famer. Yes. Yes. Ken Anderson with, is without a doubt is a Hall of Famer. Isaac Curtis, even though he's looked finally upon as a receiver, great receiver of the 70s. Maybe he's more prominent. And we probably just see a lot more Bengals players from that decade really get talked about more right offensively uh and then maybe a jerry rice grab may yeah if he's not out before 85 right but once again like when you were talking about it you kind of got me on there if he's at that losing down slope and maybe Paul Brown was big on 40 times. Like he was the first to kind of clock people as well. He sees that Jerry Rice, what was it? Like four, seven, seven, 40 time. Yeah. And he's going to be like, what are you talking about, Bill? This guy is slower than dirt. So why do, why do we need him? <laughs> so maybe that's one of the things. Cause that from what I understand, only Tom Landry and Bill Walsh were very high on, on Jerry Rice. Because they saw the, they saw things different more in a playing mode than just looking at measurables. That's a scary thing. If Jerry Rice is a cowboy, oh, boy. oh my goodness, um, that's another one if in itself. Yeah, but uh, let's all right. So let's jump over to the San Francisco 49ers side of things. Oof. It's it's it, tough because they're not a very good team at this uh, up until this point, really. Uh, I think they had some success in the old AAFL or AAFC, whatever it was called. Way back in the fifties, they they have some success. They had, uh, yeah, they were having success in the middle in the early seventies, going to a couple of NFC Championship games. Like the first official NFC Championship game they were in, the second, and then after that, it kind of just, it kind of just fell off. off. Yeah, John Brody's getting old. John Brody's thirty-seven by nineteen. 72 and from what i can see from their stats they're not they're like third fourth place right and this is when oh what year was it joe thomas the year that he became it was 77 joe thomas i believe left the colts came over to the 49ers and made that awesome oj simpson trade that gave the bills a bunch of picks and you know they got uh was it yeah, it was one of those years that they ended up trading for OJ and it's old OJ, it's not young OJ. So I really did I go. do remember that. I do remember that. Um 
Yeah, San Fran is really not good. Uh, 72 was really, yeah, 72 was her last good year. Drop off in 80 or 73, four, five. Picks up in 76, down the toilet in 77. And then uh, a two and 14 season sends, they had two brand new head coaches in 78. They just canned them. Not good. Uh, and then 79 is when they hire Walsh. 79 is when they hire Walsh. She also goes two and 14. So there's a scary like thing right there too, where if the owner was, or GM was like, okay, we just hired this other guy, gave us a two and 14 season. This guy, Bill Walsh comes along two and 14 season, but he does get to keep his job and the improvements are there three years. It took for Bill Walsh to build up the San Francisco 49ers to a Super Bowl champion. 79, 80 uh, on the way up in the 81. It finally clicked uh, with that Super Bowl over the Cincinnati Bengals of all things. Great, great revenge game for Mr. Bill Walsh. But uh, what happens? I mean, do they continue to find mediocrity if Bill Walsh isn't hired? I, I'm thinking so. I don't think they see <sighs> Bill Walsh in the early years were pretty good at, you know, finding talent and things of that nature. I don't think they get Joe Montana. I think Joe Montana is no, a Packer. So. I think Joe Montana is a Packer. Really? Well, even <laughs> Joe Montana wasn't even Walsh's first choice if he could have had for a quarterback. Montana got drafted in 79, right? 78 yeah. or 79. Okay. 79. Uh, third round. Wow. 82nd overall. That's that's being right guy, right place, right time. Yeah. Cause right head coach. Read you know, right team. Right situation. Cool Joe, maybe not. Is, shit. You know, where does cool Joe go to? Does he get, um, I mean, where does he get picked up? Is it by the right guy? Is he even a Hall of Famer? At this point, if he doesn't have that connection with Walsh, that's the biggest thing because we don't think a Notre Dame quarter, right? We don't think a Notre Dame really is a prominent football school, do we? What then? Yeah. Then back back then we do. Okay. Yeah. Notre Dame still got the mystique by it. Yeah, I guess a little bit. Um, he, I think he's a Packer. You think he's a Packer? That was the team that everybody says was other than the 49ers gunning for Joe Montana. I think he is a Packer. I know this is kind of a what if within a what if, but I think he's a Packer. You think he's a Packer? And does he? Maybe that changes Bart Starr's whole thing around. What Bart do you mean Starr's... as far as being a head coach? Yeah. Maybe Bart Starr can do something with it because Bart Starr is a little very That's much scary. I mean, they had Packers had a lot of just bad teams, right? I mean, across the board, they were pretty bad. I can't name yeah. one player from the eighties, really. Maybe Mikowski, yeah, like late eighties. That's it. You could name them. Who? Sterling Sharp. Lynn no, Dickey. Oh, uh, he was a, he was eighties, really. Yeah, Lynn Dickey, James Lofton. James Lofton's probably the biggest name that the average. Yeah, it's just know. it's right. It's it's that's. That's hard. That's, that's, you know, that's a difficult, that's a challenge, but you know, those are just, those are names. 
but we're talking about a whole whole ass team. And Green Bay was not the Green Bay of old in the 80s. 80s? No. And honestly, 70s and 80s, they were very, very irrelevant. Um, there's like crap on this team. Like there's other than James Lofton, as I'm looking, and Lynn Dickey. I don't know who these people are. It looks like it's a very young offensive team. It but looks obviously, like 19, there's 79. Their oldest starter is 28 years old. Yeah. Potentials there, but man, Joe, it all, it all comes down to coaching and building up, but you know, Joe was the centerpiece of a team that was really developing. And there were some studs there in San Francisco. There were some studs there on that squad as they were, as you know, the, the, as they were kind of shooting up the ranks, but uh, it's so hard to think, you know, I'd have to really live and see the, 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 what the Packers were in the eighties, the seventies and eighties to get a grasp of, of how bad those teams were pretty much were, but dude, they were, like I said, they were not prominently featured. They were not very, um, they're mediocre. They were mediocre at best. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, the eighties were not kind. The seventies and eighties were not kind to the green Bay Packers. So I don't know if a guy like Joe Montana with the wrong head coach could walk is can come in and just do what he ended up doing with San Francisco. I don't think it's a miserable place to play in first and foremost. Yes. You know what I mean? People for the longest time, as good as Aaron Rodgers and stuff has been, it has not been a good free agent destination. People don't want to go to the frozen tundra. All right. It's cool. Packers historic team. You know, you got the, the, the Lambo leap and all that stuff, but it is not a desirable place to go to. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Joe Montana is a Hall of Famer. I don't know if we get, you know, it's cool to think. Yeah. It's cool to think about, my God, going from Joe Montana to Brett, to potentially Brett Favre. Like, come on. To Aaron Rodgers after that. But it's like you said, though, it's it's the coaching. Is he getting the same type of thing that it was? Joe Montana's number one knock on him always was the guy's not a physically gifted, you know, easy on the eyes quarterback, right? He's not this stack stout guy. He doesn't have the world's biggest arm, but what he does have is insane accuracy and insane accuracy is what you need for the West coast offense to complete those high percentage, high percentage balls. Yeah. And I think that's where why he really excelled in it. Maybe he excels a little bit here with the wide receiver like James Lofton and I mean maybe he makes Green Bay a little relevant, but I don't I don't think we're we're talking maybe, about Joe Montana in the same light. Yeah. I think maybe it's a career switch in a way of Ken Anderson becomes something great where Joe Montana becomes should Joe Montana make it to the hall of fame. Uh, Hey, have you ever seen this guy, Joe Montana play? Right. He could be one of those guys that we look back upon like a, uh, you know, like a, uh, you know, like a Dan Marino type or a Philip rivers or a Warren moon. One of these all-time greats who are one of these really talented guys. who just could not, you know, win the big one. And, you know, is he truly a hall of famer? It, that's, probably with the way we're looking at Joe Montana, if he lands with those Packers. And if we don't get bill walls, 
uh, in a 49ers, you know, in the 49ers front office. That's which is like crazy <laughs> to think about how Paul Brown's decision not to hire Bill Walsh, you know, may have led. And listen, I'm not saying that Joe Montana didn't work hard. I'm not saying that. I don't want to insinuate that all of his success comes from that, but it plays a big part. Coaching is everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill Walsh gave Joe Montana the foundation, uh, the support that he needed to be successful in San Francisco. And, you know, from there on, Joe could have went anywhere and been great. He was fine in Kansas City. He really wasn't that bad in Kansas City. His running with the Kansas City Chiefs was not that bad. But that no, goes not- back to, to the, you have to have the right coaching coordinator to help you make the transition. You don't get the, you know, Joe Montana wasn't looked at as a third round choice. He was not looked at as a prodigy, a, a you know, uh, like like a Peyton Manning, like some of these first overall picks, uh, Andrew Luck, some of these other, you know, just all the Marino, uh, Kelly, Elway, not looked at in the same light, but coaching up gets you to that point. And that's why I, I do. I don't think that Joe Montana um, is looked at probably fondly. Again, there's he's going to have detractors. He's going to have that. He's going to have people debating on Facebook 30 years later that he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame or whether he does. Um, but I, I, I don't think that we're looking at Joe Montana very favorably. That's uh, so at odd. least Hall of Famer. That's so odd. Just think they're somewhere <laughs> in some other it, dimension. It's a multi, where... a multiverse. We're going to go, yeah. uh, we're gonna go uh, Marvel, Marvel where, MCU here right now. Where there's an Andrew and Matt sitting there going making a post. Hey, have you ever heard of this Joe Montana guy? Yeah, a little bit when I was a kid. Hey, should we make a post to see if he's in the Hall of Fame? You should go into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, do that. And it's just it's just weird to think about because it's it's Joe Montana. Right. You know, and he's still, you know, the, the biggest debate in sports, you know, in football, at least who's the go Brady or Montana, even though I think that's been largely settled by now that with Brady coming out on top. But, you know, who is comparatively is Tom Brady, the undisputed goat of football at that point, you know, just and. Yeah, I mean, Joe was you think about where Joe was, the 49ers, San Francisco, California, pretty big market team. You know, is the NFL even really thrive in the 80s? I know there was a down period in the the middle of it with the Bears help pick up the slack, but. Joe, Joe was everything. Joe Montana football, the video game, merchandise, all that stuff. Everybody knows Joe. Everybody knows Joe. If you talk about any, you could bring him up in front of a people of uh, a group of people who don't even watch football. And you mentioned Joe Montana and they probably know who he is. He was, he was the face of the national football league for a conservative amount of time. That's how great he was. Yeah. Jeez, maybe it's the Raiders that kind of bring that swag back in the 80s or like you said, with with the Bears around in there. Maybe Marino has a damn Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. But no, it's fine because it's not far fetched. I mean, that was pre I mean, that was that was the Bill Walsh era. That was no Steve Young. That was Joe Montana being Joe Montana. Roger Craig and all those super good, just offensive players just clicking. Yeah. Maybe Marino has a ring and maybe we're talking more about Marino than anything else. 
Maybe. I mean, he struggled to get back within his own conference. That that's you know that's yeah. that's a Miami issue. But um, but he probably has that ring. I don't know if Joe Montana has that ring. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if he has one. He's four and zero. I don't know if he has one. Because it's just there's no, there's no Steve Young in the Joe Montana Steve Young rivalry brought out the best in Steve Young. You know, it's it's one of those things where those men being kept apart is, uh, I think, a detriment to the National Football League. Man, I think there's this is this completely destroys the whole legacy of the 49. I try to see who they were like also interviewing. Yeah. And all I could find was this tiny, tiny article from New York Times, and I didn't want to pay the subscribe, <laughs> so I didn't get a chance get a chance to read it. But it makes you wonder who would be the head coach, and how would he go into not having a number one overall pick, and how would he draft that team? Would there even be a Dwight Clark? I don't even know if there'd be a Dwight Clark. Maybe Dwight, I don't even think it from what I understand, I don't even think Dwight Clark's in the NFL. Right. Because he pretty much just found him at a pro day at Clemson for the quarterback to catch balls for. And he said, Oh, look at that guy. He's he's pretty good. He's a tenth round pick, Dwight Clark. We don't even have 10 rounds anymore. So right. uh, wow. Think of no Dwight Clark, Roger Craig. I think you erase a lot, a lot of things. Does Jerry Rice even have the numbers that he does? Well, yeah, that ultimately depends on where he goes. You know, does he become a Dallas Cowboy if, if, if Walsh is not in the position? Um, you know, so, but. I, uh, I think we covered all the facets on yep. here, my man. I think we killed it. Turned out a lot better. Um, but, yeah, so I don't have one picked out for next week. I don't have one picked out for next week quite yet. But uh, we will uh, we will get to that point. I'll think of something. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, great episode, Andrew. Great topic. I think it went a lot deeper than you originally presumed, so that's a good thing. Yeah. But, um, but all right, listeners, thank you so much. Enjoy. If you're listening on Memorial Day, enjoy the rest of your day. Um, and if you're listening later in the week, then make sure check out other episodes. We'll just do that anyways, because we have a pretty cool Facebook, uh, oh, we have a pretty cool podcast. Check out our Facebook page, Two Point Conversation, lots of interactive stuff, a lot of memories, a lot of discussion topics. Please come there and be civil. Um, and give us a rate on wherever you listen to your podcast from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever it may be. Give us a rate, give us, uh, give us some props. We definitely could use the, uh, can use the, uh, uh the extra motivation. So, But that is it. Thank you so much. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is...